Welcome to Sport Talks with Sport Profs. We created this community for students and for industry to join together as a community and talk sports and really it just be what's going on, what is the future looking like, and have a little bit of fun. Darren Dreger, Canadian sportcaster, uh, obviously one of the most well-known NHL insiders in the business, hockey insider on TSN, Gemini award winner. So uh, we're thrilled to have you tonight here, Darren. And we're talking more than hockey tonight, which I think Dan Berlin had, had talked about. So. You know, we'll talk about the draft first because I, I actually was looking, thinking about this and I was saying we have so many places we could go on this. For sure we can talk about, you know, who was drafted and the, the heaviness on the quarterbacks. We can also talk about how the commissioner got booed and Luch, Tony Luchasano's on with us tonight. So from the advertising side, <laughs> headlights, huge promotion. Uh, and then also, I mean, we're a sport media production school. So you know, we have to for sure talk about the, the production side of things and how they deployed, you know, a couple hundred production media kits across the country to capture this. So, uh, you know, unanimously, I think we would all agree that it was a success under mm -hmm. the circumstances. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I loved it. You know, I, for starters, uh, it gave us something at least sport related clearly to, uh, to, to, to watch and it was a, a terrific distraction. Um, and, and for me, it's a little bit two-sided because, you know, even though I, I would call myself a modest NFL fan, just based on how busy I am in the NHL 12 months of the year, I'm, I'm not a super fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I wanted to see virtually how they could execute, you know, a draft like this because the National Hockey League, if uh, the NHL proceeds in the fashion that they're hoping to, you know, they'll be second in line here. So I know that the commissioner's office and the marketing people of the National Hockey League were paying very close attention. I, I thought it was a huge success. I, I really did. I was amazed at the level of uh, the, the technical side of the execution. Uh, I think from a content perspective, maybe it's not such a great idea trying to make somebody like Roger Goodell be funny when he's not funny, yeah. um, but that's a content and entertainment issue. Um, but you know, let's give them A for effort. Um, I would say that journalistically, and maybe this was just a, a bigger part of the, the technical challenge, um, historically speaking with the draft, it's pretty cookie cutter stuff, right? The pick is announced. Uh, there's analysis from the collection of analysts. Uh, and then you more often than not would, would hear from the player who's been drafted. And, you know, certain cases, uh, you'll hear from the general manager or the coaches on top of that. For me, that was a bit of a miss. If I was you know, allowed to be critical in content, that would be my, my one criticism. We heard from Burroughs, the first pick overall uh, from the NFL draft, and, and then they kind of got away from that side of things. And maybe because I'm so starved for anything sport-related, I wanted to hear from the athletes, and I wanted to hear more of the backstories. But I can assure you that the National Hockey League, as I said, paid close attention, and they'll be tweaking. If they go down that path with a virtual draft, and there's no guarantee they will, They'll be tweaking in many of the ways that I've uh, just outlined here. So Dan, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Billy Jean King. It was the, you know, I, I could not say this, as you know, I'm an advocate for females in the industry. Uh, she tweeted that she was, it was progress that the NHL, or the NFL had a, uh, at the 113th pick 
a woman announced it, a senior executive announced the pick. What do you, uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's progress. Okay, let's, you know, we'll give it there. You know, more, more to come for the norm, I think is what she tweeted. So yeah, that'd be fantastic. But 113th, she didn't even make the top 100. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think there's so much to take, you know, from the, from the overall experience. And, and I think that there's always a need for people like Billie Jean King, very notable people to kind of keep us on our toes. I mean, certainly, I don't know if any sport, you know, um, I mean, there are many sports that sort of resemble these you know, old boys clubs, for lack of a better term, in terms of representation in front offices. But what we are seeing is a, is a change. We are seeing members of coaching staffs, uh, uh, these staffs taking on, you know, female coaches, women coaches, both in the NBA. We see it in the NFL as well. Um, so every, I'll say this, uh, to me, it feels like at least it's moving in the right direction. I mean, maybe if you were to go back 10 years, that wouldn't have even existed perhaps at all, with the exception of maybe the Rams owner, jo Georgia Frontieri, is one of like, uh, you know, uh, the, the lone female owners I can remember of, of all time. So, I, I mean, I like that. I like that we can bring it up and say, hey, you know what? not only next to crack the top 100, but, you know, see more representation and better diversity and inclusion in that regard. So Mitch Milani, if you could join us here, you, what do you think about yeah. the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Chargers and the quarterbacks the first round? What do you, is this, is this something that is a normal year after year or is it special this year? It, it's pretty normal year after year. You kind of see nowadays it's like four or five quarterbacks drafted in the first round, especially over the last like three seasons. In terms of the quarterbacks this year, it was a little different because of the whole Tua injury that was surrounding the Dolphins and the Chargers. Would he be picked in the top 10? Would he not be picked in the top 10? I think uh, as Dan will say, you know, Joe Burrow was the clear cut number one pick. And then after that, it was just a question of who was going to be number two. Every team had to get in a spot to pick number two. And then after that point, Jordan Love was going to be the shocker at the end of the first round, and he went to the Green Bay Packers. That was the biggest shocker of the night, and I think people are still talking about that. So let's move on. We've got an hour. March 12th, 2020, perhaps resonates with all of us. It was the night that the NBA said we need to shut down and we need to uh, close everything. Fans were distraught. Everyone's wondering that, or that maybe it's actually the moment that things became real. So Darren, the NBA now after five, six, seven weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks are saying, listen, we perhaps uh, with the measures, social distancing um, in place, some of the states could open up. Today, the NBA came out and said for the NBA practices, there's a lot more uh, restrictions and criteria. You know, this is a big deal for sport, NHL, NFL. The guys need to practice. They need to get in, in top shape. Is this, uh, is this seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, to some degree, it, it is. Uh, and, and look, no different than if you go back to March 11th, March 12th, you know, when there was the first confirmed diagnosed case of COVID-19 in the NBA. Um, Adam Silver didn't wait very long to do what he knew he had to do. And then subsequently the National Hockey League followed suit. Um, all four major sports leaders, the commissioners, uh, th they're in constant communication. So 
Um, I would say that, you know, the NHL for sure is paying close attention to what's happening in the NBA. Uh, again, how are they going to execute this? Uh, I struggle with it in a bigger picture um, and, and reporting on it day by day because uh, I understand the planning and I understand the importance of, of trying to introduce some normalcy to everyone's lives. And major sport is, is a huge part of uh, the entertainment structure of, of the way we live, especially here in North America. So, you know, I'm conflicted on a daily basis because I, re I report literally what's being discussed by NHL general managers, NHL owners, um, and certainly in the commissioner's office and with the Players Association. And I appreciate the planning that these major sports have to do. But the one thing that everybody needs to just, you know, stay in tune with is it's not happening unless the health authorities say that it's okay to do what you're going to do. So Adam Silver and the NBA can talk about the restrictions that they feel are going to, to cover all bases so that they can move into the next phase. Likewise with the NHL. Um, but unless the governments lift the travel bans and the health authorities sign off on these things, uh, I'm somewhere stuck in the middle of wondering whether or not it's, it's planning or it's reality. And uh, just to jump in, Darren, I know this week, or even as the news today, was the fact that the NBA has pushed off uh, the opening, potentially, yeah. of training facilities now for at least a week. So, you know, I know everyone's sort of walking on eggshells. I, I know there's been a lot of talk NHL-wise about this sort of uh, proposal surrounding hub cities, of which Toronto might be one. What's what's kind of the latest that that, that that's involved there. What are you hearing? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of discussion on that. And uh, I would say that the National Hockey League has probably looked at closer to 10, maybe 12 cities. Um, and they'll pare that down to four or five. And these will be divisional sites. So I won't bore you with all of the, the nuance of it, but we're in phase one Thank of this. Phase two. Us. Yeah. Tell us everything you've got. Go ahead. Phase Phase two would be uh, bringing players back to NHL cities. And that's going to be a complicated process because, you know, there's a lot of angst over how other countries are, are managing COVID-19. I mean, you look at Sweden as an example, completely different approach to this than what we're observing here in North America. I mean, players, NHL players are allowed to skate in Sweden. Well, you obviously can't do that here in North America. So, what is their return protocol going to look like? You know, are they automatically going to have to enter into a 14-day isolation phase? So the NHL would like to initiate phase two as early as the 15th of May. And that would allow these players then to gather in small groups uh, at their NHL club facilities. Phase three then would kick in at some point in June. And then teams would, would flock to... Uh, those divisional cities, as you mentioned, Dan, Toronto is very likely going to be the divisional spot for the Atlantic Division. Um, and then phase four would be regular season game on. And uh, again, best case scenario is probably early or at some point in July, but no different than what we experienced with the NBA today. And again, I reiterate this, it's up to the health professionals and local governments. And when they say that it's time to kick into phase two, then the league, whatever league that is, will kick into phase two. I, I honestly, I think we're going to see a whole lot of delays like the one we saw from the NBA today. So Gary Bettman, Commissioner Bettman, mm -hmm. uh, made two comments that resonated and I wanted to bring up tonight. The first one in the interview, he said that it's not a race 
to which sport comes back, which is great. I, I happen to agree with that. The second was he was chatting about the loss of revenue. So 500 million in ticket sales, 500 million in advertising sales. We're already at a billion dollars. It's about 30 million per team. Yeah. And really out of the 31 teams, we're sitting here looking at really the top 10 teams being able to actually uh, weather this storm. Is there an opportunity, I mean, I don't know. It, could franchises shut down? No, they wouldn't, and the NHL wouldn't allow that to happen. Um, and there are going to be some that struggle, obviously. And, and, and there might be some franchises that would surprise you. And I, I'm not suggesting for a moment here that, like, the Dallas Stars, as an example, are going to be a team that is, is going to struggle mightily moving forward. But you look at the Gillardi family that owns the Dallas Stars, uh, a very wealthy Canadian family, right? Uh, but when you look at how the empire was created, the Gallardi wealth was created. It was created by uh, a hotel chain and a chain of restaurants. I mean, that's the, the backbone of the empire. Wow, there's not a lot of business happening in hotels and restaurants uh, around Canada or in North America. So a lot of these owners, even though, yes, many of them are billionaires, they're, they're suffering on that side. I mean, the NHL teams are the toy box. So uh, that's my Great Dane Tiny, by the way, woofing in the background. Um, <laughs> but there will be pain and, and there will be some suffering. And, and that's why, to bring it back into you know, the, 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 the NHL arena for a moment, I think what's going to be an interesting study is to see how NHL owners and the Players Association find a way to continue to work together here. Because the essence of, and again, not to get too uh, stuck in the business side of things, but the essence of the current collective bargaining agreement is a 50-50 split between the players and the owners. Well, based on the language of that CBA, the players are there to make up the shortfall. So using the loss of revenue, in theory, the players could have a 35% escrow, which is yeah. pure absurdity. It's insanity. It's not, it's not going to happen. So they'll have to negotiate outside the CBA and determine what that salary cap is and what the escrow formula moving forward is. So that does speak to the loss of revenue and not only the players, but how the owners are going to suffer moving forward. But the NHL, I don't believe, will let teams go down. So I'd love to bring in Axel, our expert on esports here, because this seems to be a space where there is opportunity and uh, the video gaming industry is crushing it right now in terms of even uh, hashtag hockey at home, Axel, the NHL player game challenge where players, uh, the Players Association and the NHL have come together. I mean, I found it funny last week with, uh, personally, Ovi and Gretzky, and, and yeah, it was fun for a little bit, and, and Ovi's a little bit more animated than Gretzky, although Gretzky beat him, but um, the NHL described it. Chris Golier, the VP of uh, Development and Innovation, said uh, this new NHL player game challenge, and perhaps the Ovi Gretzky situation and gaming was like a tee up to the player challenge he said it's going to be extremely fun to watch i question the word extremely but axel this actually is a huge benefit to the nhl right now can you weigh in i think i think the the aspect of fun that people are talking about is just the kind of heading into the unknown and testing new platforms and experimenting uh, i think we've talked about that a couple times uh, on this call uh, uh, in that this is definitely an environment for a number of businesses to be trying uh, different things. And, 
you know, the allure to esports for brands and, you know, uh, sporting brands is no different than the allure that, um, you know, packaged goods brands have or music brands have had. Uh, and that you've got this captive audience. Um, yes, they're finicky. Um, they don't tolerate uh, a ton of non-endemic activity on their, on their precious platforms. But given the disruption that's happening uh, in various markets, I think that that has, has somewhat been relaxed. And so there's this tolerance for something new. There's a, tol there's a hunger for, for just anything new and engaging and fun. And I think you're seeing that from the sports side, the sports side is that they're kind of wading in gingerly into this space, uh, doing you know, player versus player type format, small, small bracket challenges, uh, just things to kind of test audience acceptance um, and audience, um, you know, uh, appreciation. But I think the biggest, you know, what's drawing them is the is is this um, community of 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 you know predominantly predominantly male eighteen thirty fours um, that are on these you know you know a, a lot of these platforms that are hard to market to, and uh, brands will gravitate and fixate on anything that guarantees engagement and community you know around their brands and you know music i think you're going to talk about travis scott in a little bit but i think music has done a really good job of weaving itself into the fabric of esports i think it's mutually beneficial and obviously so um but it wasn't always you know these big music acts weren't always there they gradually waded into the quote-unquote arena and are accepted as being almost sort of part of the part of the part of that fabric we talked about, um, but it came through gradual sort of steps and gradual, you know, um, you know, you know, testing new platforms, and and so now you're seeing, you know, this Travis Scott thing where where I think the numbers came out today over three days it generated close to 28 million views viewers um, for a, a show that lasted 15 minutes, yeah. and um, the first show was. 12.3 million. So these are those are the numbers that brands are gravitating to. These are the and and sports in particular, and and you know I think they'll get those numbers eventually. It's just going to take a little bit of time and experimentation. So this is I find so innovative. And Darren, you know what Axel was saying is there is 28 million viewers watching Fortnite and Travis Scott. We're going to get there, but you know the the whole uh, hockey at home. Uh, a play that is also about corporate social responsibility. They're going to be raising funds for COVID-19. It's airing on NBC and airing on Sportsnet. Um, you know, this is sport talk with sport prof. So we're remiss to say, if I didn't mention that my research this year, a year ago, was about this very thing, which is, you know, what are the major leagues doing when they are entering into the esports space? Are they producing this the same or are they having the same hosts that are on broadcast the same? And as Axel said, the esport fan is very finicky. So do you think that there's a great opportunity? I mean, Darren, would you see yourself as a streamcaster, as a caster in no. an NHL game on virtual? Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'd be open to it, obviously, in trying to... Uh adjust with the times here. Uh, I've struggled with it myself, and uh, maybe that's just dating myself a little bit in this process. Um, I mean, I, I'm certainly open to any sort of uh, creative thinking out there, opportunity, uh, mm -hmm. or experimentation. But 
And I, and I have been intrigued by the number of NHL players, and I'm not surprised by it. I mean, these are young men who, who have, have grown up, you know, gaming and doing all of these things. Uh, but I am curious as to, you know, how they've embraced it and the following to it that, that seems extreme. Um, but where I fit in that process, uh, I actually was approached by EA Sports a couple of years ago. This is probably three or four years ago. And they wanted a few of us, myself, Bob McKenzie and James Duthie, and I think Jeff O'Neill was in, in, included as well. And they wanted to add an actual panel and an insider element to the gaming experience. Um, but it, it never seemed to get that far off the ground. So uh, I guess I'll wait for my phone to ring at some point moving forward. <laughs> okay, let's switch sports. Okay, the, my love, my absolute love, Kawhi Leonard. And, uh, and, and really actually not Kawhi Leonard, but intellectual property in sports has to do with Kawhi Leonard and Nike. So the judge ruled in favor of Nike. I was shocked by this, absolutely shocked by this. Here's what he quoted, the judge. And, and those of you who are not familiar, Kawhi Leonard wrote on a, uh, a napkin, a K and an L, and it kind of was in the, uh, the size of a hand. Uh, Nike decided to create a logo called the Claw, and it was a rough draft, and the Nike copyrighted it. So here's what the judge said that ended the lawsuit. It's not merely a derivative work of the sketch. He found it to be new and significantly different from the original design. And Darren, you know that what drives this business is not just the players and what they do in performance, but it's also the advertisers, Nike. Big powerful yeah. Nike up against Kawhi. Are you surprised by this decision? Uh, I was surprised by it. Again, I didn't dive too deep into the legalities of it, but it seemed going in based on you know, all of the, the arguments that I had read in support of Kawhi that it wouldn't be a slam dunk, but it seemed like it was heading in, in, in his direction and his favor. I, I guess the one thing that I wor worry about or wonder about, um, I remember having a conversation with P.K. Subban. This is probably going back five, six years ago, uh, around the time where he launched his website. And it was actually in Los Angeles, we had the conversation. And he talked about how he viewed his opportunity in the National Hockey League uh, somewhat similar to LeBron James and the, the personality, the profile, the marketing element. It wasn't about money. I mean, that's a part of it. Of course, it's a part of it. But it was about creating uh, a voice and another platform uh, to, to show your personality, to, to be a bit more creative in a traditional environment like the National Hockey League is where you, know, you just don't see it. You see it in the NBA all the time. And maybe that's why I was even uh, more surprised that things did not go the way of Kawhi. But I'm wondering now, um, and again, coming back to Subban and the National Hockey League, because there are so few players in the NHL who have that flamboyance or that personality, if a ruling like this might persuade them away from, you know, trying some new things and doing some things like that. So speaking of Subban, uh, what year was he drafted? Trivia. Oh, you remember? I don't. Um, Anyone? Axel? I mean. I okay, well, who was he, he was drafted to? Canadians, right? Yeah. Oh, Canucks, Canucks. <laughs> yeah. Canucks, then Canadians. That's right. Sorry, my mistake. Okay, let's go to that draw. Let, let's go over to hockey for a second. And let's, let's back up because I know uh, 
PK has always been an advocate for women's hockey. Why did the NWHL announce? I mean, Darren, you know, I was chair of the board of the CWHL. We haven't, I had a board meeting the other day. We still haven't closed down the CWHL. We're in our final stages. I can't comment too much. I definitely <laughs> have an opinion, but I won't. What's going on with the NWHL announcing they're coming to Toronto? Yeah, I don't quite understand that myself. Uh, I mean, it's an aggressive tactic. There's no question about that. Um, I'm wondering about the success of it, obviously, you know, just given the history, and you know more about this in terms of, of the bigger picture of the professional side of things. Uh, I think that it's certainly a, a platform that can be developed and, and should be, but how is it that, that one league was deemed you know, not to be in a position of success, but yet another one is going to come in, expand to Toronto, and it's going to be an overnight success. Um, I'm not so sure, but I'm pretty sure that you would have a better explanation, appreciation, and an understanding of, uh, you know, why uh, one league is, is trying to get in where another one was essentially pushed out. Well, one thing I must say, I don't know if you saw, and, and Chelsea, I know you're on here too, is, you know, you worked for the CWHL and you're an uh, advocate for women's hockey. And I find it, I will say this, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's not a conflict of interest, but I can't get over how highly politicized the sport is that can't get off the ground. Uh, a lot of attention is on this space, but, you know, the NHL right now, we chatted about potentially losing a billion dollars by not getting their season up and running and the women's league is starting to make announcements. So Chelsea, what are your thoughts? I know you're, you're kind of, I don't know, did you see Jerry D on social media today where he really slammed the league? I didn't see his tweet today. I did see his tweet after it was announced. And like, I'm, I'm very torn because of course any, you know, progression of a league should be a good, for women's hockey should be good news. But I just, I feel like whatever potential that there was for the NHL swooping in and helping out, I think this sets them back, uh, sets women's hockey back by that. And I just, I don't know. I want to say it's great news, but I also think it's interesting timing to announce this during COVID when things are not progressing well for any sport. So I just, I don't know. I guess we'll see how it goes. I hope that it goes well, but it will be interesting. So esports, Darren, are you in esports? Do you play sport video games or do you play video games? Uh, I would say infrequently, but you know, I've got an 18 year old son who is uh, constantly uh, playing NHL 20 and a variety of games, but uh, I just, it's too complicated for me to be fair. I, somebody <laughs> asked me this the other day, and I graduated from Atari, and then I, I, I took a break from video games years ago and, and jumped into the, the, the world of Sega Genesis. And uh -huh. that's pretty much where my gaming days ended. I'll play the odd, you know, we have to have the PS4 here and whatever else my son has. So I'll, I'll click in the odd uh, golf game or, or something along those lines. That's about my speed. It pisses me off to no end. How much, how, how quickly he beats me in anything sport related, be it football or hockey. So I just gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> the Atari, the 
the oh, arcade yeah. days, Sega. I always thought if I ever had a dog, I would call it Sega, you know, because you can like Sega. <laughs> We're like, Sega, you're calling it. Anyway, <laughs> Axel, oh wait, we've got, we have a special guest tonight. Uh, and he's a, a 13 year old and we, all of us on here need to be listening to this young man because uh, I really thought I was on top of Fortnite and Travis Scott. I happened to see Travis Scott at the Super Bowl last year and it was okay. Uh, I saw him on Fortnite. I was one of the 28 million viewers that watched and I uh, fell in love with his music. So I'm definitely a fan that's been converted. But uh, uh, Artillery Squid, can you pop up and let us know here? We want to talk esports. Andre. Andre. Andres, there you are. Andres. So first of all, just for the viewers tonight, uh, can you let us know what Fortnite is? Um, Fortnite is like a um, online video game that can go up to 100 players that are all playing at once that um, collect weapons and like build around the map to try and be the last man standing. Okay, so why would tell me about the Fortnite Travis Scott? They called it visually stunning and astronomically pleasing. Why was that? Um, astronomically pleasing, mostly because the album was called Astronomical, I think. But uh, <laughs> it was very pleasing because um, the music was very great. Um, it was a good opportunity for viewers to, like, discover this new, like, of, like, uh, music. And, so this, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was finished. So what, was uh, Travis Scott basically dropping his album? Yeah. And he was, um, like, showing it in Fortnite. Okay. So Advertising. This is... Okay, when I, eat, I, I, I sent you the link and I said, this is brilliant, I loved it, you have to look at it. And you said to me, your, your, your text back was, yeah, I was there live. Tell me about your live experience and why that was so important to you as a fan. Um, uh, for me, it's better, like me and my friend watched it live because um, I've never really seen a live event Fortnite before, but um, I know that uh the, like the music was like very good yeah sorry i got lost of track of what you were talking about that's okay so you told me earlier about nfl teams the nfl teams yeah. also are already involved with fortnite so we want to tie this back to sports we've got some broadcasters here i see mark millier past senior executive of tsn's on tonight we got karen sebesta from cbc we have darren dreger so and and uh, dan berlin how is it that sports, tell us about the NFL teams in football and what they're doing with Fortnite. Um, I don't think it's only like NFL, but like they're promoting their teams because like around the, um, the Super Bowl um, a couple of years ago, they released um, football skins so that because they, um, they had like skins from every team. So they're promoting the teams and like, the NFL. Okay. They also did the same with like World Cup soccer. They had like Germany and Canada. Okay. Can you explain? So I found out, I don't play Fortnite, uh, but I did find out about it via 
social media platforms. But how did you feel? How did you find out about Fortnite and Travis Scott? Um, when you enter the game, it shows you the news that's going on. And one of the news was um, Travis Scott event. And it showed the schedule. So it was like 7 p.m. on one night. And it happened five times in a week. So if you missed the first one, then you can watch the other ones. Then uh, they have posters around the map. So you can look at them and find out when it is. And they had a big stage which had, which had a timer on it. So when the timer went off, the event would start. So... Uh, okay, during the performance, there was a lot of animations. There was an awesome concert. It was in sync. To me, it looked like some of the characters were lifting barbells that were flaming. Is that what you saw? Um, yeah, because dur during the event, people were given a series of, um, of emoticons to use that were usually based off Travis Scott. He released two emoticons, which usually uh one of them like portrayed the music from his album and the other one is just like normal so okay can you uh maybe share with darren and darren i don't know if you have a question for andres he'd love to have a question from you in this space andres can you tell us why you would rather watch fortnite live with travis scott versus post the fact on youtube on YouTube, um, people are talking, like the creators are talking a lot and you won't be able to actually experience the music. And if you were to watch it live, you can keep yourself quiet or like wear headphones and listen to it. Like, and then you'll also be able to control where you want to look because some will just look at a rock or something. <laughs> yeah, Darren, do you have a question for Andres? I do, Andres. Uh... I mean, we've talked a little bit here about Fortnite and uh, obviously we can sense your passion for it and you've explained perfectly why you're so into it. Um, next sport, I mean, is it hockey? Is it football? I mean, what other games are you playing when you're not playing Fortnite and what's your best game? What, what have you mastered to this stage? Um, I usually play NHL 18 because I find it's not like, I prefer it over like football games and that stuff. Because mm -hmm. I don't really watch football, but I'd say I'm pretty good at it. Now I do a podcast with Ray Ferraro. Um, do you want me to tell him anything, anything you think he needs to work on as an analyst for EA Sports? I'll pass it on for you. Uh, I don't really watch EA Sports, so I don't really think I have anything ah, okay. to say about that. <laughs> I was getting worried there, Darren. We only yeah. had 20 minutes left in the show. I didn't think we'd have enough time to get through it all. Hey, Darren, awesome. Andre, Dan, do you have for, any questions for Audie or? Well, I, I just, you know, I kind of wanted to bring it in because bringing Darren back in because there's something yeah. unique going on where, you know, Sports Center has sort of been reinvented over the course of the last couple of weeks. And I think... Oh. You know, there's been a shift, no question, to, to esports now as something that's highly accessible to everyone. And yet, you know, when it came to conventional broadcast television type norms, you know, Darren, there was a situation where Sports Center went down for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And now, and, and was ultimately, you know, resurrected. I'm interested to know a little bit about how that all came about and what that experience has been like. 
Well, it's, it's been good, uh, to be fair. And it's, it's been good because, you know, great broadcasters and, and journalists are getting to uh, tell their stories in a conventional manner, but in a very unconventional way. Um, you know, and, and SportsCenter, frankly, is, is the flagship of uh, Canadian sports television. So the world just wasn't right without SportsCenter on the air on a nightly basis. And credit goes to all the people behind the scenes. I think we can all appreciate from the fact that we're still all self-isolating. We're having conversations virtually in the fashion that we are here tonight. But imagine programming a 30-minute sports show without highlights because there are no, no games going on and all the management and the production that has to go into, you know, putting that 30 minute section together on a, a night in a night out basis um, in a mobile scenario. I mean, there are very, very, very few people at nine channel nine court, you know, editors are editing from, from home base. Um, we're all contributing from our home offices here. So, uh, it's it's had its share of challenges, but you know, let's give credit to you know some of the athletes. I know that um, you know we're seeing more and more CFL players doing you know video interviews. We're seeing more and more NHL players doing video interviews, and that's kind of driving the content on a nightly basis uh, with SportsCenter. I know, Darren, you just allude to some of the challenges on a day day in and day out. Maybe you could even just give us a glimpse of you know, what, what you consider the biggest challenge to be for yourself in terms of being able to deliver and just being able to bring a show of that, of that magnitude together? Yeah, well, to be fair, it's, it's time. Um, you know, our, our insider trading panel, which is myself, James Duthie, Bob McKenzie, and Pierre Lebrun, uh, we take advantage of, of SportsCenter in the good times. I mean, we'll take up a five-minute block in a 60-minute show, which is unheard of. I mean, that is precious real estate. So to get four big mouths to uh, squeeze all of the information that we've collected into a three and a half or a four minute segment now in a 30 minute show is one of our biggest challenges. Um, and I know that sounds absurd and it sounds a bit ridiculous, but uh, truly it is because, you know, it's not just about hockey. My world is all about hockey, but you know, there's information on all the other sports that has to get into that 30 minute sports center block. So just trying to squeeze all of that content in. We all want our taste, right? And trying to jam it all in on a nightly basis has been a challenge. Yeah. So the lot, uh, Dan, the last dance and, and Darren, have you watched it? I mean, we all have time right now. You haven't watched it yet. No, but you must, I haven't. You, you haven't, but the days of Michael Jordan and oh. Dennis Rodman and Scotty Pippen, you remember those days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, what's so fascinating about the fact that we're in a pl place right now without live sports is the documentary itself is making news headlines on ESPN. Like today, the news was the fact that Isaiah actually came out on camera and said that he hoped the bad blood left over from the days of the Detroit Pistons going up against the Chicago Bulls didn't keep him off the dream team back in 1992. So this is actually made for sports headlines. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to pace myself and watch it all so slowly. And I'm probably watching it even a couple of times uh, just to try to squeeze as much out of it. I mean, it's, it's pretty riveting television. Yeah. So I would love to have, oh. oh, who's there? Me, Karen. 
Oh, Karen. Hi, Karen. I, Karen and Joe, I want you to weigh in on this. No, I, I just want to jump in because just Darren was talking about the sports world. And I think if you look at last week, so at CBC Sports, we're doing four hours every Saturday when we have three hours on, on Wednesday with Rewind Wednesdays. And last week in sports with UFC and Dana White and everything going on with bringing Ultimate Fighting back. And then we've talked about potential golf coming with Tiger and and partners uh, and then the NFL draft and then for the figure skating fans in the room you can see I figure skating behind me but there was something called open ice that Caitlin Weaver did um, she's in New York she's an ice dancer but they were raising money and there was it was four hours of live streaming of figure skaters from all over the world and raising money and there was more sports news it was crazy everybody was busy at CBC sports was so busy with writing and digital and Instagram TV and interviews and there's athletes and stuff and i think one thing i want to say is there was two weeks of shock and we didn't know what to do and then everyone at every network is really busy and we've been doing a lot phase one sort of for four weeks but now watch people are starting to get bored uh darren i'm privy to ratings <laughs> i've got the ratings and <laughs> ratings are dropping because everyone's starting to see okay they're repeating shows. It's old Blue Jay games, old NBA games, old Olympic shows, right? And now the sports world, we're all super creative people. You got to mix it up. So let's bring Sports Center back and give them something else. A little more Jay and Dan, a little more, you mm. know, Tim and Sid. We've yeah. got some Olympics. Let's get Donovan Bailey. Like we're mixing it up. And then this is what you'll see now some changes for the next four weeks. And then part of my job is thinking about what the hell to do in 12 weeks from now when we're still bored and we're not playing sports. And um, so it's an interesting time. So when you talk about documentaries, see, they dropped that right at the right time now. Something new, shiny toy. Let's talk about it. Dan Berlin, there's 10 episodes. So I don't know. I've only got <laughs> two. And it's I know. And they <laughs> just dropped episodes three and four just four. dropped this morning on Netflix. So oh. you're right. I mean, in fact, they moved up the release date of The yeah. Last Dance. It was supposed to drop in mid-May. And then, of course, once this hit, they, they realized they had, to, they had a captive audience. Exactly. So they want to really capitalize Joe. on it. Like, Prof. Joe, I'd love you to weigh in with Karen here yeah. because... I mean, the thing that I find riveting about The Last Dance, and, and I've only watched the first two episodes because I'm a little bit like Dan, and I know the three and four have dropped, and I'm going to watch three tonight and four tomorrow, and I want to space it out because I'm actually loving it because, I, I mean, I, as much as I hate that we don't have live sports, I think this is an opportunity when people talk about esports having an opportunity now. I think this is an opportunity for long form storytelling and documentary and sports to kind of come to the forefront. I mean, they did move up the release date of this. They knew it was an opportune time. My biggest surprise is like, I can't believe they hung on to this footage for all these years and it was just like sitting there. I did some research and found out that it was like Michael Jordan had to give the okay to use this and then finally the production company that eventually produced this he finally gave them the green light and this has been sitting there all this you know amazing access that they had in that in that last run of 97 98 i can't believe that it was just sort of sitting around all this time that's what i found when i watched the first two episodes it was like man this is so historical this is all like i kind i remember this and i remember all that and i can't believe this wasn't produced earlier that's the thing but it's not only a was it wasn't joe not only was it not produced earlier but i'm questioning why they're dropping two shows a day 
um, as opposed what? to what, once a week or once a day, once a week, like, let's like extend this. Well, I mean, you know, as Dan even mentioned earlier, originally it wasn't even going to air till later. They've moved this all up because of coronavirus. I think, I mean, that's a programming decision why they're kind of where they're releasing it and why they're doing it where, the way they are. I, whatever it is, it's working because I also read like the, the ratings are phenomenal at ESPN and through Netflix and like the ratings are fantastic. And so what I think is going to happen and it's going to have a lot of um, terrific offshoot for other documentaries around the sports world. Like there's a, I mean, there's a ton, I know a ton of great documentaries in the sports world that have never really had big audiences. And I think this might be the time now for a lot of those docs to kind of, you know, come to the surface and people will now kind of explore them because to them it will be new programming, even though it's a lot of docs that I've seen over the last 20 years at TIFF or Hot Docs or wherever, and they're fantastic sport docs that never really got, they never really got the attention that they deserved. But things like The Last Dance right now are going to probably whet that appetite. And let's talk about the emotion. The first two episodes, I was like, you know, you're, you're like absolutely tense and it's youth stress and it's excitement and chills running up my spine. So, you know, Darren, in the sense of, uh, and, and Prof Joe, you know, these are, I mean, the top two, uh, the top two basketball players, the number goat, he was a goat for heaven's sake. Like he's absolutely an unbelievable athlete. And to see this footage of Michael Jordan and to see his opinion and to see some of the raw side of him, where have you seen that also in sport in a doc at all, Darren? Are you, are, are you familiar with uh, any other docs? Well, I mean, the NFL puts out uh, and historically has put out some great documentaries, some behind the scenes stuff. So I would put that in the same category. And, and just to clarify, I will watch uh, this documentary, no question. But like everybody else, I mean, you have to ration, you know, what you're watching and how you're going about your day-to-day -day business. And I, no different than Tiger King for me, I, I just resisted because I, I wouldn't believe all the hype. And I waited for 80% of the world to watch it. And then I went, all right, I'll watch it. And it was okay. I mean, it was fine. It was, you know, it was tw twisted and all of those things. I get it. Uh, so I'm going to wait until uh, I'm done everything else. And then I'm going to watch this. But, you know, there, there are some great sports documentaries out there. Um, you know, HBO 24-7 with the mm -hmm. NHL, the original ones were, were great. You know, I mean, I vividly recall Bruce Boudreau on the bench of uh, uh -huh. the Washington Capitals and you know he's screaming show some courage and all of that kind of nonsense which again you're talking about such a traditional sport hockey they don't do this in hockey where the curtain is being ripped open here so um, this has got to be better than that but there have been some pretty good documentaries specific to sport over the years. Okay, so we have 10 minutes and we're, we're going into the rapid fire questions. And every week we ask about four or five questions and your, your responses are, are pretty quick, whatever comes to mind. And Dan has prepared the questions for you, Darren. So I'm gonna uh -oh. pass it over to Dan, to, to Dan Boomer Berlin and he's gonna rapid fire and just go. He's oh, muted his mic, this is there awesome. <laughs> I want to preface this by one of my favorite teaching moments in, in the years I've been part of the sport media and the journalism programs came when I invited Darren to be a guest 
in my class. So for those that don't know, Darren and I were former colleagues when we were actually both at, uh, back then it was CTV Sportsnet together or while well, we were just Sportsnet. And, uh, you know, Darren was part of the hockey department. I was on the assignment desk. And first thing, Darren, I don't know if you remember you came in, but you, you turned me beet red. It was the best thing you could have ever said. He comes in and he goes, so who here thinks that Dan is a hard ass as a teacher? Right. That's what you said. And I just, I mean, I just started laughing because, you know, back then he goes, well, cause you know, back when we used to work together, Dan was a bit of a hard ass back then. So, um, you know, I brought, I brought the essence of our days together. Actually I've softened up a little bit as you know, uh, but here's a couple of questions for you. I've got five questions for you. Rapid fire. Um, in your take, hot take one word, will the NHL complete the 2019, 2020 season? Yes. It will get completed, but it'll be late summer. Okay. Who will win the Stanley Cup when that resumes? Ooh. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Yeah, I guess the new Stamkos is back is enough. Yeah. I like it. Um, favorite city on the road for you? Uh, well, don't forget I was in Paris for the World Championships a few years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, NHL city, it would be between Boston and Montreal. Okay. Excellent. We were talking a little bit about playing vids with your 18 year old son earlier today. Uh, when you do play NHL 19 or 18 or 20, which, uh, what team do you take? Uh, I make, I, I make a collection of players. So it's like an all-star team, but it's hilarious because I will use NHL players, both current, uh, and past NHL players. I've had Gordie Howe on my team. I've had junior players on the same team as Gordie Howe, so I mix and match. Interesting. Anything to give you any sort of advantage over your son? Thank you. Then I don't do well with that. (laughs) And finally, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, creative ways, Karen, yourself, Joe, Laurel, creative ways to to now do TV in in a difficult time. I don't know if you had a chance to see Saturday Night Live this past weekend at home. Um, just wanted to know your favorite all-time cast member from an SNL. Me? Yeah. Who's your favorite all-time cast member? I love it. See, the fact you're breathing that deeply tells me they're good questions. Yeah, it is a good question. Uh, I mean, I guess I could check it out and say Adam Sandler. That's pretty easy. I, I, and I like to more on, on Saturday Night Live than I did, uh, than I have, you know, in, in making movies that he has. That's a cheap laugh, but I, I always was entertained by him on Saturday Night Live. Uh, but there are so many others. Least favorite cast member of all time? <laughs> That's uh, my just, No, no, we just talked about this. Uh, and it's the guy who's in every movie with uh, Rob Schneider. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> It just it drives me crazy. <laughs> That's great. Actually, Ron Snyder had a cameo on Look SNL at, this week. I'm watching Tony. Tony is disgusted with me right now. <laughs> I mean, no. the, the beauty of that is we could probably have an hour show just talking about SNL cast members. Laurel, yeah. take yeah. Oh, yeah, very good. Okay, we have five minutes and we got to get through two topics, but I've got Chelsea, our expert in social media. Chelsea, can you pop back on again for a second? I don't know. Have you been watching athletes on social, TikTok? Darren, do you have a TikTok channel? Uh, no, I'm proud to say I do not. And, okay, uh, well, we're going to get you one. 
You gotta, you don't, you don't need to dance. Although I'm sure Anders can teach you some dance moves from Fortnite, but you do All not right. need to dance. But uh, we saw some really interesting things with LeBron James this week, doing a workout and singing some songs. Chelsea? Uh, personally, I'm actually really into the uh, Instagram lives that are going on right now, especially with Megan Rapino. Um, I think she's killing it and it's awesome to see the different topics that she comes up with um and sue bird uh and the collaboration between the two is just completely uncanny like they're they're meant for broadcast once they're done with their athletic careers but um i'm also taking a good notice of um podcasts that are coming up um connor carrick hopped on instagram live at one point to talk about how he wanted to come up with this podcast and he asked fans like what uh, different topics and different people that they would want on. And that's so many people, I was actually on it at the time. So many people were encouraging him to talk about women's sports. And like one of his first guests is Jaina Hepford. So I'm, I think he's doing a great job and I'm excited to see where that goes. Awesome. So in, in social as well, the big question is, and Darren, we'll come back to you to close this off. Thank you, Chelsea, our expert in social. Taiwanese baseball, the first sport. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you're familiar with this as well. The first sport to come back. I thought it was really cool. They had cutouts. Uh, they didn't have the fans there. You know, th they ended up actually having quite some excitement with a brawl. But really, what is the next sport to come back? Golf and iRacing. I mean, we've got we've got virtual, but golf as an example, you could actually. I know I know they're doing some interesting things with Tiger Woods, but if you actually were to play golf, you could have four people, you could physically distance, and you could yeah. play the game. What what sports are coming back next? Well, aside from golf, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to watch that unfold. I, again, I can't get past just the, the even with with baseball, uh, the dynamic of of having all of the athletes and the personnel required to to be associated with these teams in close proximity. I mean, uh, how are you social distancing to that degree? And and you know, and and that's I think also what both the NBA and the National Hockey League are struggling with as well. Um, so when one sport finds a way to master how you execute that sort of behind the scenes stuff, the locker room, how are you traveling, um, all of those things, then maybe that makes it easier for the other sports. I'd like to say hockey is going to be next. I don't know that to be true. It's, it's probably not going to be the case. Um, maybe it's the NBA, um, but one of those two, if it's the NBA, then the, the NHL won't be that far behind. So Darren, thank you so much for being on tonight for Sport Talks with Sport Pros. With we've got uh, uh, Prof Joe and our latest insider, our insider Sport Talk <laughs> for Sport with Sport Pros, Dan Boomer Berlin. Dan, <laughs> where'd you get the name Boomer? That's uh, one of the great uh, great highlights. You know, over the course of the pandemic, I've been having a little fun and just writing uh, a little series called 30 Jerseys in 30 Days. I actually pulled out all of my jerseys from my collection, which I can actually wear for a change after not having to go into the office every day. Uh, but it dates back to my love affair with the Cincinnati Bengals. So while Joe Burrow might, you know, um, 
Burrow might be my next nickname. Uh, I grew up watching Boomer Esiason, and he was my wow. first ever real hero in sports. And it just in high school, it just kind of stuck. I was the big guy, and they started calling me Boomer. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, Prof. Joe, Prof. Boomer, <laughs> Darren. Peter, thanks hey, for Jared. joining us on Sport Talks with Sport Props. We'll see you next week. Good night. All right. Take care, everybody. Hey.